Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. We know we talk a lot about what it means to run for God on this podcast, and when we do, it's great. But what about the rest of our lives? Are we glorifying him in those things too? Well, we're going to talk about it. Also, I'm going to share my thoughts on an NBA legend and how he can instruct us in our fitness journey and our spiritual journey. And of course, joining me once again for all of that is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. How was your week? It's been a good week. Yeah. We're getting ready for a cross-country meet, you know, yeah. at home. So uh, It's going to be... <laughs> Parking's gonna be fun. It is. It is. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna park them a little wider. I think. How many have. teams have we got? There's 35. I think last I checked. And I don't think we've ever had that many teams there. I think we've been close though. Okay. We've been really. I know we've been over 30. But I mean, parking when 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 we have that many teams, parking is just havoc. Yes. I mean, all yes. around that area because yes. it's really not that 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 parking area is not made for that many people. But we'll make it work. We will make it we work. We might have some upset neighbors, but. Um, hopefully <laughs> well, hopefully not. not. Yeah. Hey, um, so I, I wanted to tell you about something that happened to me last night. D- did you see my Facebook last night? I didn't. Uh-uh. So you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. No. So I am sitting on our back porch, and it was me and Lane and Landon and, and Christian, Lane's girlfriend. And we look up in the sky. I forget who saw it first. It might have been Landon. He said, what is that? I look up in the sky, and Dean, I thought we were either being invaded or aliens were coming down to Earth. What we saw was kind of in not from the edge of the sky, so not from the horizon, but just out of the middle, almost like it was a wormhole. Yeah. We started seeing these lights just come out of come into the view of the sky, one after another after another, in a perfectly straight line, and and it was it went all the way across the sky like 60 of them mm-hmm. and then it went away i've seen it and so i mean i'm i'm flipping out dean i'm like i have never seen anything in this my, in my life it's it's not planes cuz it's obvious that it's it's out of our atmosphere it's right. just obvious it is mm-hmm. by by the scale of it they were moving at a speed that no plane could ever move at that high. I mean, it was going tens of thousands of miles an hour. And so, I mean, we're just in awe. I'm screaming at Holly. She's getting out of the shower. I'm like, you got to get out here. You got to see this. And I picked up my phone and I just snapped a picture of it. And I put it on my Facebook page. I said, so who just saw this? I'm really disturbed by what I saw. And I'm being serious when I say that. I have no idea what this is. Well, almost immediately, people started telling me about it's Elon Musk's satellites, yeah, and that go across the sky, and they they're 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 low enough where we can see them with the human eye, but they're high enough to where what you're actually seeing is the sun hitting them because yeah. they're so high up in the atmosphere. The sun, you're seeing the sun's reflection off of them, but it's pitch back that. dark. Yeah, it's I didn't realize that's dark, why they were yeah. where we're at. 
And I mean, I was like, we're being invaded. <laughs> or a, this is it. I mean, it can only be one of those two things. And it was it was crazy. So you've seen it. I've seen it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it is. I mean, if you don't know what it is, it could be a little disturbing looking for it was sure. Very disturbing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm not a, one of these conspiracy people, but I was like, okay. I believe in you. Aliens are real. They're real. <laughs> for sure. They're. I just saw them. But uh, so, yeah, had a lot of kicks and giggles, people. That, that's funny. I mean, it was like, it's like everybody knew. What everybody it was, knew. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I don't know how you missed that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, let me let me throw out a, a challenge here. OK, so this podcast, we have had over 80,000 downloads in this podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. And we would like to hit 100,000 pod, 100,000 downloads by the end of this year. But on our current pace, we're not going to quite get there. You mean 200,000? Oh, 100,000. I'm 100,000. 100,000 yeah. by the end of the year. By the end of the year. I and think we can pull that off. We, we need, if you're listening to this, we need you to share this. We need you to get some other folks on board. And we right. need you to uh, to get them to download it so we can hit 100,000 downloads so by the end of the year. So 100,000 by the end of the year. Yep. Yep. You heard it, people out there listening. That's the challenge. Dean threw out a challenge. Yep. Dean's challenge. Yeah. I think we can do it. I think we can too. Yeah. So let's talk about this week's sponsor, our good buddy Brandon Combs over at State Farms. State Farm, sounding like my mom, putting an S on everything. <laughs> State Farm Brandon Combs, when you make the right decision, it feels good like picking the perfect accent rug or choosing a good night's sleep over an all-night crime binge show. It feels really good to make the right insurance decision, too. That's why State Farm agent Brandon Combs is right here in Dalton, Georgia, to help you select the right protection at the right price. Brandon will make you understand your State Farm coverage so you'll know what to expect when the unexpected happens with State Farm agent Brandon Combs. It's easy to make the right choice. Just call him. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, So again, to all of our sponsors out there, including Brandon and his whole team down there, thank you for um, supporting what we do here because we simply can't do it without you. Absolutely. Well, a Facebook post from last week comes from Heather Valdez. And if you've been in Run Club for any length of time, you probably know who Heather is. And um, she's back at it. So she she posted this. At physical therapy today, I got to run. It was only two minutes and 30 seconds of running. The rest was hard walking. But it's the first time I have run in over six months and the first high impact activity since surgery three months ago. Physical therapy is slowly getting me back into form. Praise Jesus for knowledgeable, caring PTs, and thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us in our weaknesses. Mm. So, Heather is obviously from Casper, Wyoming. Yeah. I still want to visit there sometime. Yeah, me too. Have you ever been to Wyoming? I have. Mm. Yeah, Debbie and I drove through Wyoming. That one one year where we drove 3,500 miles in nine days, we we went through Wyoming. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, I knew Heather was struggling with some injuries, and uh, it's been a while since she runs. So, I'm, I'm glad to hear she's back at it. It's, it's great to hear these stories. I, I lo- it's what I love about Run Club is people, you know, they constantly keep us updated on what's going on. And I mean, she's just another example of, 
you know, she lives on the other side of the country, but I feel like, and I do, I've met Heather several times, but you, you feel like you, we know these people. Yeah. You know, they're part of our family now, and that's that's the cool thing about what we get to do here. It is. And I like the way she puts it, I got to run. Yeah. You know, I wish we could keep that feeling that we have. When we get to this point, you know, when you've been off for a while and you get a chance to get back to it, it's it's a good feeling to get right. back out there. This past week, I think I've, I've kind of, you know, I, I've, I became a lot less fit over the last couple of months because of an injury and some stuff I was dealing with. And um, I, yes, this past week, I could feel that shift. Mm. I could feel my body, and it just feels so good. And you, it's like you, 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 you're eager to get out yeah. there and run when things feel good and when you want to get back to it. And um, it, we should, we should be that way all the time. Yeah. Right. You know, the, the morning temperatures here aren't, aren't hurting anything. Either. No, that we're, helps we're a lot. We're starting to get that sweet time of year. Yeah, yeah. And our spiritual journey is is very similar, right? Um, you know, when we first develop that relationship with Christ, we get really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, it, it kind of beca- it, it feels stale sure. after a while unless you purposefully go out there and and make it exciting again and you know or we we go and we hear a sermon and that sermon gets us and we get jacked up again and we right. get excited about it again and um you know there the parallels again are are amazing speaking of a good sermon I, I i don't know if i've ever talked about this young man on here or not but um there's a young man who uh his name is jeb brooker if you've ever been to the weekend here in dalton uh, and you've had the Brooker Brothers barbecue. His one of the Brooker Brothers is his father. But I had Jeb in uh, small groups when he was in high school. I had him on small groups on Wednesday night, and just I mean, he's always been a great young man. Um, just always he's he he was the the football guy in high school. You know, the football star, loud, rambunctious, just that kind of young man, and. Um, but he got saved a year and a half ago. Just radical transformation. He he. I mean, his testimony. He basically said, "I was living a lie. You know, everybody thought I was a good kid, but I wanted nothing to do with the things of God." And and this is coming from a young man who's in a family who has a deep history in our church and really this whole community. And uh, but he's lately he's been preaching some. Yeah. Uh, his father-in-law is a pastor, and so last night he. Um, he was preaching. He sent me a text yesterday morning and said, I'm preaching at my church tonight. You want to come? And so, I mean, I, I yeah. was not going to not do that. <laughs> yeah. And so I went, Holly and the boys, they had other things to do because it was kind of last minute. So I, I kind of changed my schedule and, and made it there. And Dean, I walked in and, and he was pacing. I mean, he was just visibly, I mean, as anybody Nervous. would be, I can only imagine if I had to, to preach. And, uh, so he was pacing, I mean, just kind of pale complexion. I mean, you could tell it was weighing on him. And um, I knelt down with him before the service, and I prayed with him. And um, But, Dean, if, if you don't believe in God, the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is look at his life. Yeah. I mean, he. it's like when he got behind that pulpit, a switch flipped. Yeah. And he preached the word. It, it was, you know, Jeb has a, it, it was a very um, old time Southern Baptist preacher 
uh, feel. Yeah. But he's 22 years old. Yeah. And I mean, the Holy Spirit was just all over him. He he preached on I must decrease so he can increase. Um, talking about John the Baptist, and just I mean he he went for 30 minutes and just absolutely passion. I mean there was veins sticking out of his neck. I mean he was yeah. just that intense. And when he got done, it was almost like Jeb came back. Yeah, and it was just <laughs> it was an incredible thing to watch. And I don't know. It was just. That's really cool. Was, you know what I think is interesting about that? Didn't he have a, a YouTube channel where he did some hunting stuff? Yeah. I mean, he's but, he's kind of the he, he kind of reminds you his YouTube videos. This was really kind of during the Duck Dynasty days. And yeah. He did that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't it funny how God prepares us? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, think I mean, about he, how he used that to develop that ability you know, I hadn't even to thought speak. about that. Yeah. 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 He, That's uh, pretty cool. But um yeah, I mean, kudos to Jeb. I mean, he and he said in his sermon last night, he said, "I want the call to preach." Yeah, you can you can tell he wants to do it, and this is kind of the point of his whole sermon. He wants to do it. He wants to go into it. Seems like to to preaching, but he doesn't have the freedom to do that yet. And so he's, you can tell he's really struggling with what he wants. Versus what God's calling his life today yeah. is. And he said, today, I don't have that freedom. But man, when he does get that freedom, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Wow. And so, so kudos to Jeb. Love you, buddy. You, uh, I mean, he's just made me proud to, to be a small part of his well, life through the years. Well, and kudos to you for pouring into him like you did for, for yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, that's had an impact on him. I mean, he acknowledged as much, yeah. and that's uh, that's a pretty special thing to yeah. be able to see that. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, you do and you say a lot of things, and you wonder if it's ever getting through, and clearly um, your words had impact. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. We had a trivia question from last week. Um and it was this Flojo's record uh, records are very old, but it's not. They're not the oldest records on the book. What is the oldest record in track and field? And most people probably won't know this, but I, I just I, I can remember even when I was back in in high school and college, I remember seeing this lady's name on the record books. Um, her name was Yarmila Kratokvilova kind of hard to say but uh, she was czechoslovakian it's the women's 800 meters um set in 1983 she ran 153 way back then and nobody has been close since um we have had a few a few i think dip into the 154s but it's probably high high 154s and so nobody has really but we've got a few that are really coming on strong right now mm-hmm. um but but anyway that's the oldest one um, and then the, there's another one that was set in 85 that's been out there for a long time. Uh, a lady by the name of Marita Koch, um, the women's 400 from East Germany. She ran 47.60. Um, so those are those are two of the oldest um, women's um, uh, track records. Of course, Flo Jo did hers in 1988. She still holds the record for the 100 and the 200 meters. Um, and those, though, have been we've had some within just a few hundredths of a second of yeah. those um, over the last couple of years. So uh, maybe those will be broken. I think that all of these records are going to be broken in the next few years. Cause I think as tracks get better, as 
the uh, shoes get better, I just think they're going to be able to uh, to get closer to him. The oldest field record, if you're wondering, the oldest field record is the men's discus, uh, Jürgen Schult from 1986. He was from East Germany. Um, and then the old, oldest men's running record is the 3,000 meters, uh, and that's Daniel Coleman. Of course, that event's not run very often, so you know you almost have to set up a special meet mm. to break that record. Uh, and then, of course, are the regular events that you see all the time. Um, Hisham El Garouj, um, still holds the records for the fifteen hundred and the uh, and the mile, and that he he did that in the late nineties, I think ninety eight, ninety nine, maybe both in ninety nine. Um, but we saw Ingebrigtsen come close recently in the mile. Mm-hmm. He also he ran a two mile. He broke the world record in the two mile that equivalency wise was faster than the three thousand meter time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a matter of time, I think, before he probably breaks that. Of course, there are some elephants in the room when we talk about all of this because there's a lot of speculation about performance-enhancing drugs in almost all of these cases and all these circumstances. Not all, but most. But especially when it comes to the East German, the Czechoslovakians, the Soviet Union records of the 80s. Um, I mean, some of those we know, the East Germans in particular, um, all of that was uncovered after the fact that we know they had these labs where they were churning them out like machinery mm-hmm. um, at one time, but uh, but they never failed any drug tests. Right. Um, of course, testing wasn't as good back then, but um, so you know we just have to live with with those records being on the book. So it's it's going to feel really good when those records get broken. And of course, the other elephant is, and I mentioned a minute ago, super shoes. They have definitely made a difference more so in the distance running than the the sprinters but uh but they're definitely making a big impact on what's going on and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh about super shoes and that's happened in pretty rapid succession yeah i mean we're coming up on the weekend and i know because i'm always out of town this weekend the weekend that kipchoge broke two hours was that Three or four years ago, five. Oh, it's been a while back. I don't know what. I know year it's that next was. weekend. It was but before. I don't it was before twenty twenty, right? So, yeah, that's true. Uh, so it had to be. So it's a, been longer than I thought. Yeah, at least four years ago. But yeah, I mean, still that that whole. It's like that was when Kipchoge did it. It was, I mean, the newest great, and now it's like every brand is is yeah. going to that technology. Even the even the non carbon shoes. I, I mean, yeah. I've showed you my shoes. Yep they're they're experimenting with the foam and things like that so yeah i mean they're every time you get a pair of shoes now it's like some of the um technology is different well in the studies actually they did a really good study about probably about a year ago uh, that showed that actually the biggest difference between shoes is not the carbon it's it's, it's the, the foam. foam yeah yeah that that's that makes a bigger difference so yeah good stuff Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the entire Bible every day for a full year. You don't want to miss hearing this transplanted Southern boy try to pronounce those biblical names now, do you? It may be good for a laugh. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run Club to get access. So if you're not a member, join today. If you are a member, just find a Walk Through the Bible under the Nationwide Challenge tab.
All right, we're back. And, you know, we had uh, this article from womensrunning.com. This is just a, a few little pieces of the article, and I thought this would be a cool story to share. Boulder, Colorado. Area elite runner Neely Gracie, 33, set a new stroller mile world record of five minutes and 24.17 seconds on Friday in front of a hearty crowd at the Englewood High School track in Denver. The previous stroller mile run record was five minutes and 57 seconds set in July 2022 by Sally Ahn of the United Kingdom. In early 2022, Gracie saw an article about a dad who had set the men's stroller mile world record in a time of 431. And being a professional runner, Gracie's competitive juices started flowing, wondering what the current stroller mile world record was for women at the time. Gracie ran the record with her youngest son in the stroller with a helmet on for safety because he weighs the least and will be and will be using the Guava Family Rome model stroller. Uh, Gracie shares that she wants her kids to grow up seeing a healthy lifestyle and aiming for big goals as normal. Gracie is now entirely focused on the Olympic trials for the marathon in February 2024 in Orlando, Florida, the training for which will undoubtedly include logging many miles with her kiddos along for the ride. That's a great story. Isn't that cool? Yeah. 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 I got a record for everything these days, don't they? They do. Yeah. But but I I like that. That's and it it, it was cool that, uh, you know, I mean, she's a pretty elite runner and for her for her to see that and go, hey, that's pretty cool. I think I want to do that. So. I'm assuming it said in front of a hearty crowd at um, Boulder, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado high school track. So she did this on a track. Yeah. That would be hard with a stroller. Turning. Turning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could. It's one thing to run, you know, straight down that road in front of us right here, pushing a stroller. But that's got to be you, you got to be you can't do it for your first time. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Although, you know, especially because you to run that kind of time, she's obviously run on the inside lane. Yeah, and that I mean that's a pretty tight turn. Yeah, yeah. Stroller technology has certainly gotten a lot better. Especially they make they make strollers that are specifically made not for necessarily running on a track, but right. but running. And right. so, uh, but usually the front wheel's fixed. Usually, at least the ones. Yeah, I've I wonder. Seen. I wonder about this. And one. so, I mean, I remember the ones when the boys were little. You yeah. kind of had to pick it up a little to yeah. turn yeah it's a good point i hadn't thought about that so yeah, yeah. i don't know that's I'd, I'd like to see a video of that huh. well we need to finish a story that we started many weeks back um elizabeth Morey, if you remember back in episode 162 she shared her story and she mentioned at the time that it wasn't complete right. and uh now she has shared the rest of her story and it is called Run for God, Growing Through the Valley. This story is my follow-up to episode 162 in the Run for God podcast. Check it out if you haven't already. The ongoing themes, looking to be healed, wanting to be accepted, needing to feel loved and valued. I already had all of these, but I realized I had been looking for them in the wrong places. Despite wanting to go to my, on my own directions, God continues to prove His way is best and He is enough. I know and believe this. So why did I seek direction and approval from my husband over God's? I wanted instant gratification and acceptance for what I was doing even when I knew God was calling me to something different. 
Instead, I allowed fear to guide me and what ifs to cloud my judgment of what God had in store for me. This past year, I've been faced with many setbacks, but looking back, God was there every step of the way. A guiding scripture during this time was Psalm 23. This famous psalm is usually read at funerals or or at one's deathbed. I'm now convinced God meant these words to encourage an active, healthy, abundant life in the here and now rather than at the end of our lives. This beautiful poem written by the former shepherd boy, David, who led, uh, who led scared, helpless sheep uh, emanates God's character and the ultimate good shepherd. He cares, loves, guides, and protects us often from ourselves. I was that sheep. Reluctantly, I ignored the good Lord's teaching, stubbornly doing things my own way or what I thought my husband wanted. Every day this past year, I walked into the unknowns, exposing myself to hurt and pain, going into a place that I utterly hated. My anxiety and pain became overwhelming, taking me to my breaking point. Never in my life have I felt so uneasy and alone. I could completely relate to that valley described in Psalm 23. But our good shepherd won't leave us in that valley. Psalm 23 also holds the perfect promise for what we need when walking through the valley. It's not a place we're supposed to call home, but a place to learn, grow, and move on. Through this valley, God was refining me and showing me how to trust him. My first and last day of this factory salary position, a.k.a. the valley, was June 19th, 2023. The decision to quit became painfully obvious after yet another leave of absence due to my work-related hand injury. It was time to sever the cord of discontentment and trust in God that everything will work out. The day I left, I felt relieved and finally stress-free. How could this be since I just walked out on a consistent, necessary source of income? Now what? God is what? I reached out to my former boss, who already knew the situation, having listened to my Run for God podcast, part one. Two days later, I started working for him again. He didn't question any of my bad choices that led me to where I stood that day. Instead, he showed me grace and words filled with love that ministered to my love, my aching heart. All he said was, why didn't you call sooner? While I knew this was only a temporary stop in my journey, God used my boss to lead and guide me into my next assignment. During this time, I felt freed to focus and look to God for wisdom and guidance. Thirty days later, God revealed my next assignment and provided exactly what I need. Backtracking just a bit, we had already planned, booked, and paid for two vacations and two upcoming surgeries. How was I able to start a new job with so much going on? God had paved the way. In one interview, he took care of all my time off plus two weeks paid vacation with a job right here in town. He answered all my questions and more in that one interview and confirmed this was the path I was to take. Honestly, I'm thankful for these trials as it's made me the woman I am today. Having my eyes fixed on Jesus, I can say with confidence he leads me beside still waters and restores my soul. Choose joy, even on the hard days. Those trials won't last forever. Take time in the valley to look up and see he had you right where you needed to be, growing, learning, and trusting him. Wow. Elizabeth, that's a great 
a great follow-up to your already great story and i love how transparent she is yeah um i know that's probably hard to write yeah i'm both sure. her stories i'm were sure. hard to write but i have no doubt that there's people out there that need to need to hear them there's parts of it that i needed to hear yeah um yeah i mean she, it's, why, it's why it's so important that we share these yeah and if you haven't heard the story for, again from the previous podcast let's just say what what she said and she kind of alludes to it here but bo- bottom line is she went and she took a job at the factory where her husband worked and it was a kind of a premium job it was one of those higher paying jobs in that area and so it just seemed like a no-brainer if you had the opportunity to be hired at this place that you went there because that's the place where everybody wanted to be but it wasn't the place for her mm-hmm. and uh, and she it took her some time of just not being happy in what she was doing till she she figured that out um, and God made it clear to her uh, and that's when she decided to ultimately do what she did here and that's that's the hard part in a lot of situations we go through it's it's like we we take this job or we're doing this thing or we have this position that everybody you know everybody would love to have that or or you think that everybody would love to have that and so you start feeling god calling on your life saying this isn't the right thing and you start to feel that guilt like Mm -hmm. well this is you know people would love to have this position right and and i'm unhappy so you start to feel some kind of guilt but that's where we go off the rails Mm -hmm. you know that's where we're going to get down into it in the questions we start to worry more about what others are thinking and what you feel like you should think rather than what god's calling on your life and that that is a very miserable place to be i've been there yeah i have to You're, you're fighting between what you think is right what society says is right what you've known all your life this is this is where i'm supposed to be but god's saying no it's not you're supposed to be right here and to walk away from something that everybody in in elizabeth's case there's plenty of people in her town that would love to have that job Mm -hmm. and to walk away from it it almost feels reckless right but it's not it's it's reckless for christ yep and and i think this story plays out far more often than anyone wants to admit um i know that a lot of people they feel trapped in their circumstances right they feel like well i i can't quit this job because if i do all my finances are going to fall apart. You know, I, I can't get out of this situation with this person because all these tragic things are going to happen. And people feel trapped. Yeah. But the truth is, is God, I mean, I am I went through this same thing. Yeah, I was going to say, you can you can I, listen to the still small voice or God can give you a, a boot like he did with you. He did. He did. He I absolutely mean, did. And he did with me. Yep. I mean, <laughs> I, I, was, I was starting this out and he, you know, he allowed the housing crash yeah. to kind of slow my schedule down <laughs> yeah. to allow me to do this. Because I've said it many times. I, I look back at 2008, and I, I thank God for it now, even though I get it. Many people and families were hurt by that recession. But looking back, if I have to be honest with myself, I don't know that this ministry would have ever started had that not happened. Yeah, If things would have stayed good. That's that's just amazing to watch God work, and you know, with me, I, I, you know, I took, I went to a job paying way less than I was making, which again, it's kind of like Elizabeth here, just you know, doing something that 
the world would say doesn't make any sense. You're in HR in Dalton, Georgia in a carpet mill. That's yeah. a cushy job. Yeah. Why would you walk away from that? Dean? Right. right. That would be crazy. That's right? what people would would say. Yep. But but I'll, I'll, I'll share a few things here. I just thought about so what 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 is better in my life right now compared with at, at that time? First of all, I'm happier doing my job mm-hmm. just in general. Um, I sleep better. Sure. I mean that's a that's a great thing right there mm-hmm. just just to be able to rest better uh the difference um also is and here's what here's what a lot of people miss and and this is kind of getting down into the weeds with this a little bit but i think it's important because very often in my case i work from home now for the most part right mm-hmm. a lot i do a lot of work from home and so i don't have to have i don't have to go out and buy a bunch of clothes i don't have i mean i save a lot of money we were just talking about our wardrobe for the podcast it's pretty simple now it's pretty simple right um i'm not going out to eat lunch every day i'm eating lunch at home that's way cheaper right Mm -hmm. there's so many ways that you'd be amazed at how much cheaper you can live in in better circumstances right um and then of course you know i i feel like I feel like now, I feel like my life has way more purpose. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, I felt like what I was doing before was, it was an important job. I mean, sure. somebody needed to do it and it was important, but I feel like, you know, what I'm doing now is so much bigger because right. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And that's that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, and, and guess what? <laughs> no money issues. I don't have any money issues. I haven't had Isn't a single funny? one. None. Making half of what you used to make and... It, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So... I know how she feels to some degree, and it's great to hear that happiness in her voice because I understand it. And, um, you know, she missed some running adventures during that time, too. So hopefully she can get back to mm-hmm. those running adventures her and her husband were doing when they were doing all those ultra marathons and stuff. Yeah. So I, I hope that's the case. Look, looking forward to seeing that. Galatians 1.10 says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. <clears throat> so, again, we talk about Scripture being living. And I read this verse in a way this morning that I've never read it before. And for me, it was speaking to me about our schedules. Because our schedules say a lot about who we are and where our uh, loyalties lie. It says a lot, our schedule says a lot about who we serve. And I, th- I think we do most of what Galatians 1.10, at least nowadays, we do this with our, our schedules. Um, and I really try to take inventory of this often. You know how I am. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like to get my schedule too crowded. Yeah. And, you know, society says, well, that's kind of lazy. Yeah. That's a lazy statement to it's make. True. You could you could do more. And I could. I could do more. Um but and, and I could do more good things. But too many good things means that you're often effective at none of them. Yeah. He I had a talk with Lane last night about this very thing about, you know, he was he was had some concerns about his schedule and he was naming off all these things and it was all good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, but you got to cut some of those good things back because you, you, you got to start with your goal. You got to mm-hmm. start with your, um, your just cause. You and I are reading a book right now yeah. about our just cause. And we, yeah. we're, we're talking about it in the, in the form of 
business and ministry, but you got to have one for your life, yeah. right? And yeah. as, as a Christian, I want to shine the light of Jesus in all that I do and help others to see him in my life. So that's goal number one, right? Right. So then you've got to start taking inventory of the things that you're what, – what does your schedule say? Does your schedule back that up? And so I start thinking about, you know, there, there's the top three that you're – you can't take out of your schedule family well mm-hmm. i try to model christ through my family i, I try to I, and i fail sometimes but i try to have a household where we as for me and my house we serve the lord um your job i mean mm-hmm. we we gotta have a job right right and so i, I feel like we do that here i mm-hmm. feel like that every week when we get on behind these microphones we're, we're trying to shine jesus sure we have a good time doing it but scripture says you doesn't say you have to be miserable doing that's this. Right. we have a good time doing it church you know uh, that's obvious or you say it's obvious because we can take on too many things at church yeah and so we become ineffective at that i mean i think about committees i mean we're we're both in baptist churches and this committee bill sometimes <laughs> yeah um but then downtime, you know, you start thinking about, you know, reading and listening to an edifying podcast or book. Is is that advancing my just cause? Well, yes. Yeah. And social media. Yeah. 10% yes. 90% no. <laughs> yeah. Watching a sunrise or a sunset. I mean, you think about it. In our society today, that would be an absolute waste of time yeah, to sit there for true. 30 minutes. But it's not. Yeah. Walking and running, yes, that's it. That's advancing. Most television, no. So you, you've got to start. You've got to take inventory of your life. And I know this it seems so elementary, but we don't do it. No. You've got to list the things out <coughs> that takes your time. And then you start striking out what doesn't advance your just cause and then what doesn't advance your just cause or what advances your just cause the least. And you got to find that sweet spot. But, you know, we got you and I, we're, and we're going to talk about this more, but we're, we're not people pleasers. We don't yeah. struggle with this as, yeah. as much as some. My wife, yeah. on the other hand, yeah, she has a heart of gold. Debbie's probably the same yeah. way. They have a heart yeah. of gold and they want to see everybody happy yep. and pleased yep but there comes a time where we have to do what galatians 110 says we have to please god we have to be a bond servant of god yep. and not a servant of our schedules yeah unfortunately these days we we operate sort of like the politicians do you know they take a poll and they decide yeah. what they need to do yeah. and these days a lot of times we're we're polling people to find out what, what we need to do, not in an official way, but in right. an unofficial way. And unfortunately, we can't poll God. Um, right. You know, he, he doesn't answer to polls. Mm-hmm. And he tells us what we what we need to do in a general way in the Bible, but in a more specific way. He'll tell us what we need to do, but it's not through a poll. Sure. It's, it's through the Holy Spirit. Question What does your life show? Are you trying to please men over God? Of course, we all have moments, right? 
where we where we where we do that because that's where our focus is because that's kind of what's in our face Mm -hmm. you know you have to you have to look for god god doesn't get in your face well sometimes he does Mm -hmm. but but he doesn't always get right in your face um he he wants you to have that choice he wants you to choose him not not others um and so the, the 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 question is I don't worry about what other people think about what I'm doing. I just mm-hmm. never have. You mentioned that a minute ago. Um, but the real question is, am I doing what God wants me to do? Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't care what people think. That's not going to force me in a direction or in one direction or another. But I do care what God thinks. And that's where I need to be based, right? Yeah. Um, so we have to do two things. You, you have to it, it, You have to not care what others think. And you have to care what God thinks. You have to do both of those things in order to be on the right trail. Right. Psalm 32, 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Let's let's pause right there because I I got something to say about that verse, but I want to go back for just a second because... I think you and I think the same way mm-hmm. on, on that. And and we I know exactly what you're saying, but I want to make clear our heart. It's not that we don't care what other yeah. people think. Yeah. It's we're not persuaded as much as some by what people say. I do care what people think. I I care like we've had this debate as a family. Yeah. Lane's Lane and Landon's uh or Landon's youth pastor sent me something last night. He said, I want to include this in the Hollis Knightley debates because this is what we do. I mean, yeah. as a family, we really get into the weeds on things and um and, and we kind of have been talking about this lately of I I do care that what others think about I don't know. Let's just take a hot button topic. I, and we're not going to dive in, but abortion. Right. I, I do care that somebody thinks abortion should be legal all the way up to the time of birth. I do care. Right. But I'm not persuaded by that. Right. I know where I stand. I know what God says. I know, I know where my conviction lies. And so while I do care I'm not going to give that a platform in my life. Right. And I think that's the different that that's the way we should say it because to say I don't care what they think that's that's not what we're saying. Yeah, and it's a good point. I, I'll give you a good example of 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 a place where we don't care. Okay? So I took recently when when I get through running, usually I'll run before the before the kids have practice, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll get in a run, I'll be all sweaty. Mm-hmm. And um, if I if I get back in my truck all sweaty, the bottom portion, the bottom six inches of my T-shirt gets soaking wet Mm -hmm. because my shorts are soaking wet. A lot of times I'll run without a shirt on or if I do, I'll change my shirt, but I still have wet shorts. And so and it drives me crazy. I can't stand for that. Just that bottom section of my shirt. So I cut off a couple of T-shirts right at the waistline of my shorts. It looks goofy. I, was gonna say, I haven't seen this yeah. yet. It looks like it looks like a nineteen eighties throwback shirt, right? Cut, cut off shirt. Cut off shirt. And uh but you know what? That's where I don't it doesn't matter to me yeah. whether people think that's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. what I mean by right. not caring. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to clarify that yeah, there good, are things that point. we can come across as not caring. And this is this was our debate as a family is 
sometimes I come across is I don't care what the other side thinks. Yeah. And that that is that is maybe what I say, but that is not my heart. I do right. care because I want them to come to my side. Right. But I'm not going to be persuaded to go to the, to the other side. But where we got to be careful and where this whole debate with our family started was you got to be careful. You got to be prayed up and you better be firm in your convictions before you go over to the other side to have that conversation. That's because right. just as just as much as I want to persuade them to come to my side, they want to persuade. They want you. to persuade and and the minute you say I can't be persuaded, yeah. That's when you get in trouble. Oh yeah. Um you know, it's just like my pastor. I I think I've said it on here. He will not say I will never cheat on my wife. He yep. won't say it. Because he knows that's that's the point where we get arrogance in our own. Now, to say, with God's help, I will never cheat on my wife, then that's that's okay. But we have to understand that that is dangerous That's right. when we make those kind of statements. But I, we're going down a rabbit trail. Anyway, yeah. we do care what other people think. We're just not persuaded by what they think. Okay, Psalm 32. Psalm 32. I'll instruct you, teach you. To, do not be like a, a horse harnessed with a bridle and bit. Um I thought about something, and I don't think we've talked about this on here, but the idea of indoctrination. Um, you know, this this verse is say, basically saying, "Be indoctrinated." Yeah, is with me. Um, and we had a. Uh, I think I've mentioned we're doing a family Bible study at our church, um, and so it's all ages in there. And Thomas, who's doing a great job with it, he said a few weeks ago, he said, "We live in a society where." So many parents are saying, you know, I, I want my kids to find their own way. And we've made indoctrination this bad word. Yeah. You know, and he said, indoctrination is scriptural. Amen. And you better indoctrinate your kids yep. or else somebody will. Yep. I think we've already talked about this. And I, I think I feel like I'm repeating myself because we talked about Kaz's statement of it's, it's the race to the heart of a child. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I want to say that again because that's, I think that's what Psalm 32 is saying. It's we can, we can put somebody else's bridle and bit in our mouth. Yeah. Or we, can, or we can be led by God. But as far as our kids and those around, even those around us, it doesn't have to be our kids, but people in the workplace, you need to look at them as it's a race. You yeah. know, somebody's not a believer, well, they're being pulled away. It's our job to pull them to. Yeah. I read this one a little bit different this time. Uh, what I got out of this was God doesn't want to physically force us to do something. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to put a bit in our mouth and physically force us to do something. He wants us to be persuaded by who he is right. rather than by force. And, uh, and that's, a, that's an important thing. It's an it important is. distinction. Another question. Have you refused to be obedient to God's leading or guidance for your own pursuit? Elizabeth's just meddling here. Boy, she is, isn't she? Uh, you know, I, I see this all the time when, as a coach. I see athletes doing things they're not supposed to do. And I know they're not doing things the way they're supposed to do them. And it drives me crazy. Not, not because... Not because I need my ego fed by somebody doing what I ask them to do, but because I know they would be happier if they would do what I ask them to do because I know the outcome's going to be better. And yet they still don't do it. Um, but we're the, and I think, why, why are they doing that? That's so, that's crazy. 
but I'm doing the same thing with God all the time. Sure. Right? All the time. I'm not doing what I know I'm supposed to do because because reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't even have a good reason for it most of the time. It's just what we want to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've got to get away from that, boy. I just can't. I can't fathom God's disappointment in me sometimes because I see, I see these kids going astray. Whether it's your your children or the kids you coach, I see them going astray and how much it hurts sometimes because you just want them to get it. And I think about God looking at me the same way. I think, boy. Yeah, and I think I'm seeing that more and more now. I mean, it, when you have young kids, I mean, you can you can kind of tell them what to do. You know, when you when you got a about to be twenty one year old, yeah. And Lane, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Lane is an incredible young man, but there I'm ha- I'm having to learn to bite my tongue, yeah. Because it's 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 kind of kind of going back to the the Psalm thirty two. You know, God doesn't want to force us to do anything. He wants us to do what is right in our own strength and our own power. We, he wants us to choose to do right. And that's where, you know, having older children, it's, it's, it's just another model of Christ's relationship with us. Our relationship with our kids should model that. Yeah. And this is where it starts to come to the parent now. It's like, how is God dealing with me he's not forcing me to do anything yeah he's allowing me to make my own bed and there comes a time with with your kids and that's you have to do that and like i said i I, it's you you want to just grab your kid at that age and say okay here's what you need to do right but it doesn't doesn't work work that way yeah it's got to be their will does Psalm 23, 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love the way Elizabeth describes this in her story in saying that we we are walking through the valley. We're not camped out there. We don't stay there. We're traveling through these bad times. And um what I see a lot of people doing is they they get in the valley and they walk back and forth in the yeah. valley, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of looking for, because what we really need to be looking for when we're in that valley, that valley is we need to be looking for that path that angles upward, mm-hmm. right? That's gonna be it's a hard path. Mm-hmm. It it we're, it it's gonna get harder in order to get out. You're gonna have to climb out of the valley, but it's totally worth it, and it's where we need to go, and we need to be looking for that path while we're in that valley, and so often. We, we wander around in the valley thinking that well, maybe I can get out of this valley by, on this flat ground. Mm-hmm. And it typically doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Last question. Will you trust God to lead you when all seems lost? We say yes, right? Um, but we all know that we have those times um, where we're going to question God and we're going to get in our own way. And it's like those athletes that I was talking about. Um, if I ask them ahead of time, I'll give you a good example. The other last week I had a kid, I asked them before the workout, I gave them their paces they needed to hit. And I said, do you, do you guys feel like you can hit these paces? 
And everybody, nobody raised their hand and said, no, I don't think I can. I said, if you don't think you can, raise your hand right now. And then I said, okay, so everybody feels like you can hit your paces. Well, we got through with that workout, and one of the kids came up to me later and said, man, I didn't think there was any way I was going to be able to hit those paces. But I did. Mm. But the, the point is that they said they were trusting me, mm-hmm. right? He said he was trusting me, but clearly in his mind he wasn't. Right. In his mind, he was doing something else. It turned out great. But that's a, a lot of times with God. We, we say that we trust God, but then our actions reveal something else. Yeah, I, I don't I'm, I've got this picture in my head and I'm going to try to get it out. But it, it kind of going back to the athlete and kind of going back to our walk with with Christ. I mean, it seems like you, you know how when an athlete is really struggling, you know, they they. They want to do good, but they're really struggling. They can't just, they can't figure out. I'm, I'm thinking of Landon right now. You know, yeah. there's just things he's struggling. Well, Landon comes to you. Athletes will come to you. Dean, I just, I can't figure this out. I, I need help with this. But think about the athletes who have had success, but you know that there's more in them. Many times they are the ones that are least receptive. You're right. They've got some success. They get a little bit of arrogance and they think, Dean, Dean, I've been doing it this way. I've got success. Just leave me alone. Yeah. But when that same athlete hits a rough patch, where do they come? They come to Dean. Dean, man, I know what you said, but I'm struggling now. We see that all the time. Yep. Yep. But we do that all the time. Yes, we do. We get on that mountaintop and it's like, I got it from here, God. God knows there's so much. God knows we're on, we're on top of Grassy Mountain, but he sees Mount Everest. Yeah. You know, just beyond the horizon. And he knows we can get there, but we get comfortable in, in, in everything we're doing. And then we think we've, we've got it. We've never got it. Yep. And the minute we think we've got it, that's when something bad's about to happen and if we would just praise god on the mountaintops we might be in a lot less valleys you're right um i don't know why that came to mind about the whole athlete thing because we do we've seen that yeah. in the past they, sure. they get a little success and it's like mm, yeah i'm gonna do this my way dean that's right um well said yeah do you struggle with motivation to exercise Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. So we're back. You know, people, what people probably don't know is we do weird things when we're in the middle of a break. I was sitting here killing two flies. You got them. I've got you a got fly them. swatter if you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> we have fun. Yeah. We always have fun, Dean. <laughs> Absolutely. 
well, let's see what you think here. This sounds like such a triathlete thing. What are you saying? <laughs> geeks. Triathletes are <laughs> yeah, geeks. That's true. Biosensors. Have you heard of these? There is now a $25 sensor that sticks to your arm that analyzes your sweat rate. So when you connect it to an app, it tells you what you need to replace your, your sweat with <laughs> and how much. You need to drink four ounces of electrolyte, you know, Gatorade or four ounces of water. It, it tells you what you need to drink to get your everything back in balance. Um, and they've had things like this in the past, but they've never been affordable. You know, like only the, the biggest and, uh, you know, maybe some with some some really deep pockets could do it. Well, this is called the GX Sweat Patch. And it is uh, it's available, like I said, for for twenty five dollars. What do you think about that? Um, 10 years ago, I would have probably been all about it. Today, I'm not. Um, you know, they got the, you know, the, 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 the things that diabetics wear nowadays yeah. that monitors your mm -hmm. blood sugar. Yep. Athletes are wearing those now. Yeah. They don't have diabetes or anything, but they're monitoring their blood sugar. And yeah. I get it. I, I do, but. <laughs> this is where I start feeling like an old man, you know. Yeah. Um, well, we're we're getting to the point where, to me, the the best way to monitor sweat loss, blood sugar, all that kind of stuff, is to learn to recognize the red flags from from feeling it. Yep. You know, I I remember when I was doing the the very long stuff. And I knew when my electrolytes were dropping. Yep. You know, I I, I, you I could, could feel I it. could sense it. I could sit in my vision. My vision would start to change. But you know, you got all these sensors on you now. You you don't you don't learn to you don't learn to experience those things because if you if you never learn to experience those things, what happens when that thing goes out? Which yeah. it's gonna ha it's gonna go out. It's gonna yeah. have glitchy things. Uh, it's just like the whole heart rate monitor. You know, we've had this debate in the past. I. I I see the benefits of heart rate monitors for looking back. I don't agree with doing a work, workout based solely on a heart rate monitor. Sometimes, yes, but you need to learn to feel yep. the intensity by which you're training. And, you know, you need to be able to know if you're going anaerobic without a heart rate monitor. Yep. That is a very defined line that you can feel, but you have to, that's, that's a learned thing. You have to learn that. Yeah. Yeah, I, think I don't need it. a heart rate monitor to tell me when I go anaerobic. I can feel it. Yeah, I think about it from a a pace standpoint. These days, our kids they can't run at a particular pace because they've got these GPS watches that tell and and they'll speed up or slow down and, and yeah. pay attention to their GPS watch. I know what it. I know what a pace feels like, and that's something I've we taught for years. Our athletes, yeah. you know, we used we to we used to take your watch off, and yep. you need to hit this pace within two seconds on a lap around the track, and you know, we made we made them learn how to experience a pace rather than go by what their yeah their GPS is. Now that's it's fine to have all that stuff. That's not what sure. I'm saying. But we've always said that is good data to look back on, not to train for. Yeah. Well, this GX sweat patch sounds cool, but there's a few red flags for me. First of all, they said in the article, the only thing we have today is going by your thirst. Well. Unfortunately, the studies say thirst is is enough. 
So that's that's number one. It may not be the the most optimal thing, but thirst is a pretty good indicator mm-hmm. according to the studies. Number two, they said that anything over two percent body weight loss will make your body go in quotation marks haywire. That's not true. Um, but the evidence shows that top marathoners are routinely six to ten percent dehydrated when they finish their races. So that's just not true. That's they don't run in the south in the summer. No, they don't. No, they don't. But most importantly, here's the thing. And this is the biggest one. The device is made by the makers of Gatorade. So I wonder. You always got to look at who writes these studies. I wonder what it's going to tell you you should drink. Hmm. (laughs) But it does sound like a pretty cool device. But, you know, you you know me. I'm not. uh, I I think that hydration is a simple thing. And so not a big deal. All of this stuff is simple. Really? It It really is. is. That's a good point. All right, it's time for Dean's Thoughts. That's time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, have you ever heard of Rick Barry, the basketball player? This one's called Rick Barry Decisions. Rick Barry played professional basketball from 1965 to 1980. His 36.3 points per game scoring average in NBA Finals are still the most in history. He was a leader on every team he played for and usually the leading scorer on that team. He also has five children who have played in the NBA. His legacy is enormous. However, he is not usually brought up when discussing the all-time greats like Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, Bird, Magic, or LeBron. That is until you talk about free throws. When Rick Barry retired from professional basketball, he had the highest made free throw percentage in NBA history. Today, he still ranks fourth all time. He was a free throw making machine. But there was something odd about Rick Barry's free throws. He shot them underhand, granny style, some people call it. You might say, well, that's back in the 1970s. Things were different back then. But even then, no one was doing it. And still today, no one shoots free throws the way Rick Barry does it. I have a theory for why. There are no kids today who would be caught shooting their free throws granny style. Of course, if you don't practice that way, you'll never get good at it. So no one will ever shoot free throws like Rick Barry did, probably. Now, I'm not claiming that this is a better way to shoot free throws. Obviously, it was for Rick Barry, but the sad truth is that there are probably some poor free throw shooters who might be better if they shot like he did, but we'll never know. I think there's an important lesson we can learn from Rick Barry's free throws. It's okay to be different. He didn't care what anyone else said about his technique. He just kept moving forward with what he thought was best for him. Ultimately, he became one of the best free throw shooters of all time. Is there something that you could be doing that you don't do because you don't want people to talk about it? Are you afraid to go to the local track and do a track workout because you don't look like the others who are there? Do you not run around your neighborhood because no one else does it and you would feel weird doing it? Are you intimidated by someone who says what you're doing is not real running? Whatever your circumstances are, don't let what others think about you become a stumbling block to your success. Rick Barry tuned out the naysayers. Admittedly, it's easier to do when you're literally the best at what you're doing, but his focus was on doing his best, and that should be our focus too. 
The same can be said to witnessing to non-believers. Are you intimidated by the thought of sharing what Christ has done in your life in a bold and open way? Are there times when you know God wants you to speak up, but you feel inadequate to do it? I think there comes a time for all of us when we have those Rick Barry decisions. Are we going to let what others think and say about our faith to deter us from God's mission for our lives? Or are we going to carry out that mission despite what others think or say about us? Rick Barry was a true one of a kind. His willingness to buck the trend is a lesson to us all that good things can still happen when we're different. Sometimes they happen because we're different. If being different is holding you back in any way, whether with your running or walking or on your spiritual journey, don't be afraid to be bold and do what you know is the right thing to do. Be a Rick Barry. Don't be afraid to be unique. I love that story, Dane. Did you know Rick Barry? I've never heard of Rick Barry. Son of a gun. But yeah, I think I've been Rick Barry. Yeah. All my life. You and me (laughs) both. true. Um, I asked some high schoolers recently if they knew who Rick Barry was, and they looked at me like I was crazy. You know, like, oh, what in the world? Who is that? I think this is one of those things. I think this concept of what you're talking about here, maybe maybe there are young people who, who get this early on, but I think this is one of those things that you really do learn with age. Um, I mean, the concept that if, if somebody comes up to you and says, well, you're not a real runner. Yeah. That says nothing about you and everything about them. Yep. And I think if, if when we get to that point, it's kind of the whole, I don't care what other people think. We, we kind of get to that point in life. A lot of people say it's the grumpy old man stage, which I'm, I'm happy to be there in my 40s. But that is very freeing. And especially if you get there because of your relationship with Christ. You know, it's, it's the reason we make statements like, I don't care what they think about abortion. Well, it's not that I don't care. It's... I'm I'm firmly planted in the truth, right? And so, yeah, I don't I don't know how to it's it's uh, it's the Rick Berry syndrome, I guess. I, yeah, I, I just he knew what was right for him. Yep. He and it was obvious what was right for him. He had had success for what was right for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that living for Christ is right for me. I've had success living for Christ. Not maybe not monetarily. It's but. We we've just discussed it with with you and your situation. It's not about the money. Yep. When you can get to that point in your life that it's about Christ. You know, this is what Jeb was preaching on last night. Yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. It's about Christ. When we can get there. Now, do I slide back from that every now and then? Yes. But the overall arching theme, if if it's all about Christ, then you don't care how ridiculous you look. Yeah. Because we're living out the Rick Berry. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of jumbling my words, but I love this story. It's all good. You did a great job on it. I, I, these high school kids, the, boy, uh, the, the peer pressure. It is. And the, the worrying about what everybody else thinks is so – I mean, they, those kids are not going to be caught dead doing something that other people don't think is cool. Yeah. You know, it's it, – oh, my goodness. And I understand it. I understand. I, I, I know why they think that way. I don't think that way. Matter of fact, I don't know that I've ever been – 
but much like that even when i was their age i wasn't really much of a um but here's the thing it's one thing for kids to be that way but we have a lot of adults listening to this yeah as adults we should not not be that way period mm-hmm. i mean we just shouldn't and if 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 we are that way we should take an immediate turn and start yeah. worrying about what god thinks and you know when it comes to sharing christ with others um I can never get out of my head this picture. I think it was a friend of ours, Keith, that mentioned Mm -hmm. one time, I talked about whenever you have somebody and you know they're not a believer, it's like they're walking in the middle of the road and there are cars coming by. Mm -hmm. And sooner or later, a car's going to come by and flatten them. Mm -hmm. And you don't know when that's going to be. It could be today, but it could be years from now. But at some point in time, they're going to get flattened by that car. And what would you do if you saw that? Well, you would go out there and you'd jerk them out of the road and you'd make sure they got out of the road, right? Mm -hmm. It would be an obvious thing. Well, when we have somebody, a friend of ours, who is not a believer, they're walking in the middle of the road and we're watching them walk in the middle of the road. And if we're not going out there and trying to pull them back now, they can they can push you away and go right back to the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. But if we're not trying to pull them back. Oh, my goodness. That's a terrible picture, right? Well, I mean, Penn Gillette said, how bad do you have to hate me yeah. not to think that there is a there is eternity with Christ and not tell me about it? How bad yeah. do you have to hate me? Mm-hmm. But society says, well, you're casting judgment. No, that's not casting judgment. It's trying to get my friend out of the middle of the road. Yep. Um, Yeah. Great story, Dean. As a Christian runner, you might find it hard to decide what to listen to while you run. If you're looking for positive and Christian music that will help you keep your pace, check out the Radioactive Station on the new J Radio. We'll take care of picking the music so that you can concentrate on your run. Plus, you can count on us to make sure that the music is uplifting and encouraging. Check out jradio.com or download the app in your app store. All right, every week I share a reason why running and or walking is so awesome. And this is uh, this is why this week running can help you feel good about yourself. The studies show that when people begin running, there's a boost to their self-esteem. And of course, that's a good thing. Um, we always feel better about ourselves when we accomplish things. And of course, whether you're running, you're walking, whatever you're doing, you're accomplishing something. You're making yourself healthier. And that tends to lead to people having more self-confidence and self-esteem. And that's a good thing. Um, You know, that one benefit alone would be enough uh, to make running or walking worth it to to some people. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, self-esteem. That's a good good reason to be a runner. Sure. Okay. So, you know, last week we talked about these Adidas racing shoes. You know, the one that cost $500. One thing I didn't realize about them is they're supposed to be like a one-use shoe. Like... They're made to use one time and then throw them away, like one marathon and then throw them away. Five hundred dollars. I just my goodness. I thought the entry fee to uh, to some of these races was too high. <laughs> uh, but that's interesting. I remember when Nike had a shoe that I and I had a pair of them that they were only supposed to be good for a hundred K. So the purposefully made without they didn't have rubber on the bottom. They just had like the Vibram midsole so they they wore pretty quickly and i loved those shoes 
And I remember when they I were. I bet you ran more than 100K in them. I did. <laughs> and when they were finally worn out um, and I couldn't wear them anymore, it just broke my heart because they didn't make them anymore. And so I was like, man, I love those shoes. Nobody's going to buy a pair of shoes that only last 60 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the thing was, is they were a lot like these. They were really light. They were like 4.5 ounces or something. They were yeah. really, really light. And so they felt really good. Felt like having socks on with a little cushioning under it. Anyway, this shoe, this Adidas shoe, debuted in the Berlin Marathon. And we mentioned that last week. But I didn't realize that the woman who won the race and broke the world record by over two minutes was wearing a pair of those Adidas shoes. I only found that out after we did the, the podcast. So Tigas to Sefa, she ran 211.53. Um, crazy, crazy fast time. Um, but here's another thing I didn't realize at the time about Tigas to Sefa. She was in the Olympics for the 800 meters not long ago. Hmm. So think about that range. An 800 meter runner and a marathon. An Olympic 800 meter runner. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy, isn't it? But it, I mean, it, it even proves that the 800 meters was not her event, and yet she was good enough to go to the Olympics in it. Um, that's pretty, pretty cool. And her time in this thing was so fast that there aren't many U.S. men that can run this fast. I mean, like the professionals. There are mm-hmm. professional U.S. marathoners who have either haven't run that fast or haven't run much faster than that, like within a minute. Do you see that more? Because uh, as soon as you said that, it made me think about, you know, in the, in the sport of triathlon, the people that are dominating now are the people who came up through the junior and the Olympic distances. And you've heard me say they learned how to get fast young and then they just added distance on that. Do you see that? And I, I know you don't, but do you think there's anything to it? I don't. Because she, she obviously did. I mean, yeah. she obviously took her speed and added distance to it. Why don't you think you see that more? Because it seems like it, it, it makes sense in my head that that would be a thing. Like it is in triathlon. You're seeing it more and more. But think, okay, tell me, name the triathlete who started by running longer races. None of them do. They all start shorter and get longer. All of them. So it would make sense that they start short and they run longer. I don't think that's true from the elite level. A lot of of the Ironmans of old, Craig Alexander and Chrissy Wellington and all those triathletes – yeah, they might have started with shorter, but a lot of them went straight into Ironman. They never got elite at the shorter distances. They went straight into yeah. the longer distances. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel yeah. like, to me, it's pretty obvious in the sport of triathlon that, that, that they got elite, you know, I mean, Christian Blumenfeld and uh, uh, the Brownlees, you know, Ben Canute here in the U.S., they were all incredibly fast young people. I mean, they yeah. came up through the ranks, the junior ranks, the Olympic ranks, and now they're they're just adding distance to something that they became very good at. And it, it's d- speed, and I know it's – in the sport of triathlon, it was, it's always kind of been speed or distance. And I know it's a little bit that way in running – but I wonder, I wonder if we're going to start to see that more. Like if, like if Engelbretson, let's just take Engelbretson. He wants to run a marathon one day. 
does it does it not add up that he would be a great marathoner it does but every marathoner out there ran track at one time i mean every elite marathoner ran on the track in in shorter distances at one time they all they all do it that's what i'm saying it's just a natural thing to do when you're younger those fast twitch muscle fibers Mm -hmm. work better Mm -hmm. and so you you use them and as they don't work as well and they mm-hmm. start to deteriorate then it takes a long time uh, tour de france a good example okay those guys don't don't train at shorter distances and then do i mean they do to some degree but for the most part but but how many 21 year olds are good at the tour de france not many it takes your body a long time to get to a point where you can you can do long endurance activities that's what i think and i think like the Tour de France. You know, Tour de France is for guys in their late 20s. And- Here, that's changing, though. That's changing. It started, it's starting to change. And I think, you know, is it is it always been that that was just the natural progression that you, you do all you can at this distance, then you start to slow down, and then you do all you can at this distance, and you start to slow down, and then you – it's like the progression. Oh, sorry. It's like the progression where – a lot of the, at least in the sport of triathlon, there these Ironman athletes, they're not waiting till they slow down at the Olympic distance. They're, well, neither are the track they're, athletes. They're jumping right in, right from the get go. I mean, the track athletes aren't waiting until they're washed up before they go to the. Yeah, marathon, but you just but. never hear, you never hear about, you don't hear much, I should say, because I don't follow the sport of running as much, but. Um, you you don't hear as much about a young great this lady she was great at she was an olympian in the 800 meter and now she's transitioning into you just don't you don't see that as much do you yeah elliot kipchoge won an olympic medal on the track before before he started being the greatest marathoner ever um i mean there's yeah uh, almost every major marathoner that you can name ran well at shorter distances before they ran at longer distances it's just the natural progression of things why that is i'm not exactly sure but my again my gut feeling is that it just takes longer to be good at the and and at all over those years you're building a really good base Mm -hmm. i think it's more the base of running Sure. And the number of miles overall that you're running that make you the good marathoner, mm-hmm. not necessarily the fact you ran fast when you were younger. And I don't know. That's that's my feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know that we know. I don't know if there's ever, ever been a study. I've never seen one. Maybe we should do a study. Maybe so. Maybe we should do a study. <laughs> All right. Well, how about a trivia question for this week? This one's really simple. So um, we should get lots of answers for this one. Uh Here's the question. It's the end of track season uh, or track and field for this year, but all those tracks are still out there for us to run on. How long is the average track and how many lanes does it have? So I think most people know how long a track is. A lot of people do. But does everybody know how many lanes most tracks have? Not every track, but most tracks have. If you know the answer to that, you can send that to dean at runforgod.com and be the first one and you'll win $20 off in the Run For God store. That question actually has changed over the years. Tracks actually, I think, had less lanes in them at one point. They, well, they for sure did, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've ran on some, 
it's neat. I've been some places for for traveling with triathlon, especially you get like into the Midwest, the more rural areas, and you go to these tracks, and a lot of times they were out in the middle of a field. Yeah. And I ran. I remember one in Iowa we ran on. It's two lanes. Yeah. Two lane track. And that's something. In the middle of a field, it wasn't even around like a football field or anything. It was yeah. just out in the middle of the field. Yeah. And it was flat, no banks. Yeah. Um, that's funny. All right, I'll leave you with this motivational thought of the week. This is attributed to many people, so there's not a particular person who said this, but many have said something similar. The tallest oak in the forest was once just a little nut that held held its ground. <laughs> that's good. It's good stuff. We all have to start from somewhere, and wherever you are today, you may just be that little nut that's going to grow into a big oak. Um, and I love to think about that from our faith standpoint, yeah. right? Our faith just being so small and then it just growing into this great big thing that God's using us for. All right. That is 185 episodes of the Run for God Run Club podcast. 200 to be here before we know it. My goodness. Will it's that right, be in January? Right around the corner. 15. Yeah, it should be somewhere around there. Yeah. 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 January Ooh. or February. So. Looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, we may do something cool and special. Who knows? We'll have to so see. at the beginning of the podcast, Dean threw out a challenge. That's right. 100,000 downloads by the end of the year. Uh, we're all going to have to go to work and start sharing. Yep. Rating, uh, sending it to your friends. Um, but I think we can get there. Yeah, That'd I be think exciting. we can too. Yeah, yeah. So do what you can to help us out. And let's get there and sure. make this uh, a big deal. All right. Until next week, may God bless every step of every run and or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.